eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, yes, we take one giant step together. It's Sean Morash, it's Paul Dottino, and for the first time since 2016, a victory Monday after the opener for the New York Giants, Paul. My voice keeps going in and out of raspiness. I wasn't on the press box. I wasn't on the sideline like you down in Nashville. But I cannot believe what I just saw. And to quote the great Clark Griswold, I wouldn't be more shocked if I woke up my face sewn to the carpet. We both predicted a win. We didn't think it was going to come the way it came. But what an amazing feeling this is here on a Monday morning for Giants fans to start the season 1-0. and Sean, consider that the Giants had lost five opening days in a row and 10 of their last 11. I mean, this this team always stubs its toe at the beginning of the year and gets off on the wrong foot, if you'll pardon the pun. Yep. Uh, not so much this time. Wide left turned out to be a very fortuitous break after the Giants have been snake-bitten by so many last-second field goals oh. that have destroyed their, their fans' hearts over the last five or six years. So it was a real, real ironic finish. And I might add, Dable going for the two-point conversion, in my mind, was already a significant victory for them. Now, I know it had to work out for the points to work out on the scoreboard, but I thought him showing trust in his players was another step in building this team in the right direction, even had they not wound up winning the game. Yeah, and before we get to the ins and outs, let's hit a couple of the basics right now leading up to that two-point conversion. Number one, worth noting, 13-0 is the score at half. I got to be honest, Paul, that was as dejected I had felt in a long time because it felt a lot like the stretches of football we saw with Mike Glennon playing quarterback last year. I was a little impatient. I was disgruntled, and I really was discouraged. 
But, and by the way, the Giants win a opener where they trailed by 13 or more points for the first time in the franchise's history. The history, they've never had a bigger comeback on opening day. So I was discouraged, but I saw something in the second half that frankly should be more common in football, but hasn't been in Giants football in quite some time. Legitimate halftime adjustments in both attitude and schematically, and that's a positive sign for the coaching staff. Also, leading up to that final drive, and and I'm going to get into more of this later, I mean, an indefensible interception by Daniel Jones, but but, and I know Brian Dable kind of said he wasn't really yelling at Jones on the sideline post game to go up to Daniel Jones, whether it's very loudly or very emotionally, what did you see in front of the whole team? I thought was a sign from a fan's perspective that Brian Dable's a coach is not going to let anybody be above criticism in front of the whole team. And I think Daniel Jones responded so effing well from there on to kind of take that drive, navigate the team and Dable to show trust in him on a big fourth down, by the way, to keep the, keep the ball himself and get that first down was so, so critical. So as you said, they go down the field, Saquon Barkley, his best game since being drafted as a New York giant. And I have been all over hating that draft pick forever. Look, if this is a Saquon, the giants get for 17 weeks and is really used the right way under Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. Thank goodness, because that's exactly who he was drafted to be. And I know that might be asking a lot, but then that two-point conversion, as you said, and I, I believe I read that not only did he have it made up that he was going for two, and if they didn't, it still would have been assigned to the locker room they weren't. The fact that Dable approached five starters on that defense along the sideline and made sure it was okay with them and not disrespectful to them that he was going to go for two, just incredible turn of events from a coaching standpoint that we have not seen for the Giants in far too long. And for all the babies out there saying nobody should be a blubbering mess, you guys have won two Super Bowls in recent memory. We're talking about the worst team for the last five years in the NFL having a refreshing change of narrative and attitude and a freaking win off being aggressive, Paul. I, I thought all of it, that is an A-plus coaching effort by Brian Dable and his staff. There's a lot to unpack in what you said, Sean, but I'm going to go deep, 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 deep into the onion here and pick out one item that you just mentioned, which I think is of great significance, and it's probably something that nobody else understands or knows, and that is what you saw with Dable and Jones on the sideline. That is typical of the relationship that Dable and his players have. For example. There are Giants players who not only use Dable's open-door policy, but have often walked upstairs to the football operations offices and gone into his office for real, literally, to talk to him. That has not happened around the Giants since the days of Tom Coughlin. Okay? That's great. This is something that has changed. That was not the kind of relationship that the locker room had with McAdoo or with Shermer or with Judge. But they have a very much give-and-take open relationship with uh, Coach Brian Dable. And what you saw on the sidelines there with Jones and Dable is something that we see at practice all the time. I'm not talking about those two in particular. I'm talking about the way that the players and Dable interact. And that, to me, is part of the foundation that this team is trying to build as they move forward. It's a small point, but it's worth an awful lot. Yeah, and and with that note, so Dable, I think, is the A-plus winner of this whole thing. Again, 
I don't know how you got felt, Paul. You you said you were watching the game up at the box. That first half was just disgusting football. And not that you didn't expect, you know, great football out of the Giants. It, it was very discouraging. So the idea that they could have a 180 like that in-game is just something that has not happened for this franchise in so long. But on that, they did it on the legs and on the back of Saquon Barkley. And I owe Saquon a bit of an apology. Now, do I still want him to stay healthy and I have my doubts about health down the line and all of that? Yes. Saquon Barkley was the running back he hadn't been for the Giants. Not in terms of hitting home runs because he could do that. In terms of churning out yards, taking a catch, getting those four or five yards, extending drives. Saquon Barkley was all of that and more. And when the team trusted him the most after the game he had had to take a shovel pass, by the way, I thought it was perfect by Daniel Jones, and be able to not just you know, elude one tackler, but break another and will himself into that end zone for victory. If you are going to make the salary you're making at Saquon Barkley, if you're going to have, you know, the the stigma being a number two pick on you, that is the kind of player the Giants need to ride. And he needs to be that kind of guy all year. Now, again, this is a crazy kind of effort. We may never have this kind of game all year, but Saquon Barkley had his best game as a New York Giant. It couldn't have come at a better time. And it really, really feels like, and I don't mean to, to be overdramatic, but I'm going to be. The career trajectory, along with the mindset of this team and this locker room, both could have changed on the legs of Saquon Barkley yesterday. I, I don't. That's how I feel this morning. Well, let's just say this, Sean. To to no one's surprise, if they know Barkley, and I told you this on the show last week, I expect him to have a repeat of his rookie season. This looked like the rookie Saquon Barkley all over again. Look better. And that, well, because he's got a little more knowledge and maybe even a little more gumption and determination. I think what you're talking about in terms of his drive, I had jotted down a note to my phone here. Um, You know, he had the 68-yarder and he had the 33-yarder. Okay, big explosive plays, which we all know is his forte. But on the final drive of the game, the game-winning drive for the Giants, he had dirty runs where he had to muscle his way for four yards, five yards, seven yards, two yards, and the two-point conversion. Very, very significant because Blackley has not consistently shown the ability to produce on those types of runs, but he showed it on the game-winning drive yesterday. And I also need to make note that on each one of his big plays, whether it be his touchdown run, his two-point conversion run, his 60-plus yarder, or his 30-plus yarder, how about this? The key block that was common from every single one of those runs was rookie left guard Joshua Azuda. Third-round pick out of North Carolina. Unreal. he was listed when when I went back and I did look at those particular runs this morning because I made a mental note. I need to check on Azudu. I want to see how where was he on each of those very important plays. And wouldn't you know it, not only was he in the game for every one of those plays because he and Bredesen basically split time during mm-hmm. the game at left guard, but Azudu was in for every one of them. And he had a one of the key blocks on every single one of those important plays. That says an awful lot about that kid. And it says an awful lot about what Barkley can do 
when he starts to develop a chemistry with his offensive line. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You walked me right into my next point, which was going to be about the offensive line. Now, was it all pretty for Izudu yesterday? No, his is not coming out of North Carolina was his pass protection and something he will work on. And let's face it, Jeffrey Simmons more or less ate his lunch all game long in pass pro. But in the run game, he was a mauler. And, and the block specifically on that touchdown run, him and Andrew Thomas creating that hole, that hole alone, you want to talk about several blocks, that hole alone has not been there for the Giants in the red zone in the run game for years. So it was so nice to see an offensive line Again, Jeffrey Simmons is a great player. He's going to have his day. He went over a rookie. The idea that Brian Dable had the wherewithal to rotate both cards in not an ideal situation, get his Udo his reps, get his confidence up, but that's an offensive line that got better as the game went along. The first half, they were a disaster at times. They got better with chemistry as the game went along. And Evan Neal basically only got beat on that one play that was taken for Jones for a sack. He had a very, not a, not a you know, a game that brag about, but a very solid workmanlike game at right tackle. Andrew Thomas was awesome. Glowinski had a bad penalty, but other than that, was fine. And Feliciano playing through the emotions, which we find out post game that he was playing through with a, you know, a terrible tragedy in his family was really good too. This is the first time we can walk away week one going, hey, okay, offensive line's not perfect, but man, am I excited about the future of the offensive line, Paul. And by the way, it wasn't just Barkley doing, you know, the work behind there and, and finally seeing him with holes. Every time they handed the ball to Matt Breida, he had holes to run through as well, too. Yeah, Breida showed exactly why they wanted him here as a complimentary back, even if Barkley's going to be the workhorse. But I want to go to that game-winning drive again because it really encompasses so much about what the Giants are in 2022. A 12-play drive of which nine were runs. Nine. Yeah were runs, only three passes. They were all short passes. And then, of course, they run in on the two-point conversion. Now, what did you see there? You saw a commitment to pounding the ball behind an offensive line that was angry, determined, and actually out-bullied a very, very tough defensive front by, by the Tennessee Titans to go right down the field 73 yards in 12 plays. Unreal. And it was basically grinding it out. That's how you formulate an identity for a team. And how about Dable and Kafka, known for their schematics in the passing game, deciding when the game was on the line that they would put it on the shoulders of their rebuilt offensive line 
and Saquon Barkley. That is pretty impressive stuff. And just incredible. And by the way, as that chemistry grows on the O-line and they run, you know what a great run game will do for the Giants? It will open up the pass game if teams start stacking the box. And we saw that Jones with that throw to Shepard could still make the deep ball. That is his strength. It was nice to see them take a deep shot. And I also want to say this before we get into maybe some of the cons or question marks Giants fans will have after the game. I was an emotional mess following the game. I, I, I couldn't control myself. A couple of the videos that were on my Twitter at Mraz CBS, I, look, I was a mess. Anybody wants to come at me and go, you know, it took a missed field goal for the Giants to win. Paul, as you, as you have said, this team has had how many games where they have a lead and in the final 30 seconds, it's dink, 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 and a guy comes and he can kick the ball from the freaking parking lot and it's going right down the middle to beat the Giants. They've had so many wins taken from them on drives like that. I don't, Scott Norwood's a long time ago. To have a guy miss a kick like that, you want to talk about luck and all that? That's fine. Good teams run into luck. And the Giants have had a lot of bad luck, especially in teams kicking versus them in recent years. The Giants should apologize to nobody that Randy Bullock went out there and hooked that kick for 47 yards. That is an unbelievable moment for the Giants that they just haven't had. We have been beaten as fans over and over and over again. Jake Elliott, Graham Gano, on the list it goes. To not have that happen, man, that's sweet. And man, that's a sign for hope that maybe karmically things are changing. Well, let's put it this way, Sean. The reason that they don't have to apologize is because they went 12 plays in 73 yards to score with about a minute to go and then put the game at risk by going for the two-point conversion, not settling for the tie, not settling for the overtime, but going for the win. I mean, let's not forget, they got a fourth and one on a naked boot with Daniel Jones. Trust Jones. Jones. Okay, on the game-winning drive. So, so I don't think I need to hear about any apologies because the Giants did what they had to do to put themselves in position to win. And yeah, all right, 47-yard field goal is very makeable in the NFL. I get it. I totally understand that. But that situation never arises if they don't execute numerous times in the previous several minutes before that when the game was was really in the Titans' hands. Now, two negatives to the game, Paul. We can't we can't paint this all rosy. Oh, there were more than two. Well, there I'm were more give, than two, Sean. I know there were more than two, but I'm <laughs> going to give you the two that stood out to me the most. Because I am a defender. Sure. I make no bones about it. I, I am a Daniel Jones defender. And I, I thought there were a lot of things he did positively yesterday. I love the throw to, to Shepard. I don't even blame him for the fumble. I mean, that's a complete blown-up play where Azudu got wrecked on it. That interception cannot happen in the red zone. You have to nope. walk away from there with three points. I And I have defended a lot of Daniel Jones turnovers in the past, whether it's poor offensive line play, receivers miscommunicating. He stared down Saquon Barkley the whole way. And again, I give him credit for rebounding. Now, you mentioned there was a lot of runs on the drive, but Dable got in his face after. If the Giants are going to make something of momentum of the season, and I'm sure in this, the episode later on this week, we're going to get to that upcoming schedule, which suddenly has opened up for them a bit. We can't have that. I, that. It's just unacceptable quarterback play, and that's got to be the end of it right then and there. Look at the tape and understand, you know, Tyrod Taylor sitting right there, Daniel. You can't be throwing that interception, Paul. Very, very bad interception. Now, he didn't stare Barkley down from the get-go. He actually took a look at uh, Bellinger, 
If you okay. if you go back and take a look again, he did not stare down Barkley from the get go. He took a quick look at Bellinger. Bellinger was coming off from from the left side of the Giants line. He was covered. There was nothing there. And then Jones quickly switched, looked to Barkley coming out of the backfield, and the corner was trailing Barkley the entire way. He was tracing him. And the thing that that I didn't like about it, and I was right there in the corner of that end zone. In fact, you can even see me on the video replay if you want to take a look at it. Um, it the play was happening right in front of me. And as Barkley took off toward the corner of the end zone, the corner has about three yards of cushion on him, and he's looking at him. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, Barkley's got no room to beat this guy. So, Jones, don't throw it. I'm thinking he's going to throw it over their head, over my head, and into the third row. That's what I'm thinking he's going to do. Right. And then when he fires the ball on a tightrope toward Barkley, come on. I mean, there's just there's no way that back shoulder throw is going to work because of the three-and-a-half-yard cushion that the cornerback had given to Barkley in the end zone. And so it was an obvious pick, and and uh, you know I I gotta I gotta believe that Jones knows as soon as he let it go that he made a mistake, and justifiably Dayball let him have it on the bench. Um, you're right that there's absolutely no excuse for that one. The fumble was a blindside hit as he right. was winding up to throw when, as you said, Simmons totally got through Azudu. Uh, you're gonna have to live with that right. on occasion, especially from a rookie. But uh, I'm with you. I think the key for the Giants, though, is that Jones makes the boneheaded throw and then comes back yeah. and still then does what he has to do to win the game. And also, I'm going to slightly defend Jones, too. Again, it's unacceptable. He throws the pick there. That came off a huge turnover on the muff punt. But remember, they're in a position on punting because Jones makes a brilliant play avoiding a sack yeah. and then you know throws a ball to Richie James that he absolutely has to catch. The only drop of the game for the Giants, by the way, Sean, one drop, Richie James. Yeah. That's the one and that drop was a big they one. had. And big how one. many times in the last five years have I screamed at the Giants' targets, stop dropping passes, make plays for your quarterback, and that was typical, uh, that James drop, who, by the way, I thought had a really good game other than that one play. That was typical of how guys have not made place for their quarterback for the Giants in the last five years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, do you have any Paulisms from yesterday's game? Any moments that struck out to you where we have a, a nice Paulism? <laughs> you know, you know what? To to be honest, about the only thing that I could think of when when Bullock was about ready to kick that field goal was how many times that you have probably had a milkshake or something that was turning your stomach fifty thousand times upside down. Oh yeah, and I and I was kind of picturing in my head, oh my god. If this goes through, what kind of adjective am I going to come up with for your upset stomach this time? <laughs> but here's it's the good true. news. He missed it. 
So I didn't have to come up with one. So we're going to kind of relieve the fans I like of it. coming up with a polism this time. I like it. Okay, the biggest question mark surrounding this game, Paul. We know he was banged up going in and all week. But the use of Kadarius Toney is going to leave every Giant fan scratching their head because talent-wise, you want to talk about how great Barkley is. Tony has exhibited that. We've seen it with our own eyes last year when healthy. And then he's in and out. And they're running force plays for him, right? An end around. And then they run that play where Kadarius Tony is going to kick back and throw it. And to Tony's credit, he didn't force anything that wasn't there. He could have been sour after not playing all game and keeping that. But what the heck is going on with Kadarius Tony, Paul? You got to remember something. Tony was ramped up throughout training camp after the offseason knee procedure. So he has not really had a whole lot of work with this playbook or with Daniel Jones. Only within the last week or so has he really gotten his regular reps in the offense and also some on, on kick returns during practice. So quite frankly, while he was promising everybody earlier in the week that he was going to play, and I did believe him, I never expected him to be a big part of the offense in week one. I didn't. So, so, it's, when not, always, so it's not a coaching staff dislikes something. It has to do with ramping up after the injury. That's how I saw it. And and while Dable after the game said, no, no, he's healthy, everything's fine, yeah, I get it, everything's fine, except the guy's only had one real week of practice. So right. I, I don't understand what the controversy was because to well, me, when you have Richie James doing what he was doing in the game and they're very similar style of players in terms of being smaller, smurfish, if you will, uh, and also on special teams, you know, here's the thing, Sean. I told you guys this, and I and, and and I mean this. Dable is very, very varied with his player deployment and his player usage. Each and every week, there's going to be a different receiver highlighted in the game plan. That's sure. just the way it's going to be. And, and so fantasy people, you're going to hate the Giants because there's not going to be any one receiver who week in and week out you're going to be able to bank on. In this particular game, Richie James actually got a lot of burn. Maybe next week it'll be Tony, or maybe it's going to be more passes to Shepard, or maybe Slayton will be activated and he'll have a big game. Right. That's all part of what Kafka and Dable want to do. And, and I Paul, think, Paul, that's fine. Yeah, and we'll get used to that as fans, but I do have to push back on you when you say, I don't understand the controversy. We're talking about last year's first round pick that when healthy last year, we saw was as electric a player as we've seen since Odell Beckham yeah. from the receiver position. So when he's healthy and we see him active and we see design plays for him at times, of course, we're going to be as a fan base going, what the heck is going on? Why is he not on the field? You know, more of this, he might be our best threat to throw the ball to in this game. So, But if he's I only practiced for a week? I totally get where you're coming from. He's only practiced from a week and a new system and all of it. And I'm not even fighting back like that would make sense to me, bringing him along slowly. But it's totally understandable to look at the Giants and go, well, Richie James is out there. You know, Kadarius Tony can make plays. You need every playmaker you can get. I understand the fan base being antsy. I think you explained that well. And, you know, we'll see as the season goes on. I but would add this, Sean. You, as you just mentioned, on the game-winning drive, he was in there, and they were actually going to run a wide receiver option where he wanted to throw it to Sills right. until the pressure got in his face. And he makes a great decision he does. and then a great juke to actually gain positive yardage on a four-yard game. Right. Yeah. So to me, he was definitely they, – they unleashed him, if you will, in a key part of the game yeah. 
with a surprise play that the Titans were able to short circuit, and yet Tony still found a way to get something positive out of it. I I I just think that's good. Yeah, no, and, and I and I think that's actually positive from the you know for anybody who might dislike Tony thinks he has a bad attitude. Tony could have been very disgruntled yesterday about his lack of playing time and tried to play hero and chuck that ball up, and he didn't. He ate it, found a way to be electric, and it just something. I to me, I now that the Giants have beaten the Titans and Dak Prescott's hurt. You know, I'm sorry. Expectations have changed, whether we like it or not. And I, they just have. They just have, Paul. We saw it. We saw a team that could have won seven games and won a division in 2020. That's on the table in this division this year. I don't want to throw Kadarius Tony away. Now, we'll end with this. Uh, before you go anywhere else, Sean, yeah. there's a reason they call it overreaction Monday. I'm overreacting, man. I, I'm in. Uh, get me to wild card weekend, Paul. I am all the way this weekend. Okay. Now. Let's just look back on my, with this. We've talked about, uh, you know, everything, the, the drive and Dable. We know the big heroes. I'm going to tell you mine. If you agree with mine, you can go a little unsung hero yesterday. What do you got? Uh, O'Shane Zimenez was phenomenal. The fact that this team did not have Kayvon Thibodeau or Aziz Ojolari and knowing the tackle problems the Titans had, that team setting the edge did a good enough job. O'Shane was, you know, deflecting passes left and right. He had a couple of good quarterback rushes as well. He's been a dog turd for a couple of years for the Giants, but under Wink Martindale's defense, I thought he was excellent week one, Paul. That was my unsung hero from week one. Well, I I'm going to give you a couple. Um, I think uh, Jaheed Ward was absolutely outstanding. We talked about him going into the game, that the Giants would want to play with a bigger, stronger, more powerful front line. And I thought that Ward, especially on, uh, I believe Brian Baldinger has already highlighted one of his tackles on Henry on Twitter. Uh, he absolutely body slammed him through the turf at Nissan Stadium. Uh, when you do what you did to Henry, holding him to under four yards of carry yeah. uh, and making him basically a non-factor in the game. Uh, wow. Wow. Ward stepped up big. Now, again, Wink Martindale went with the bigger, more powerful, stronger situation because they knew the opponent they were playing. This is all going to change. When Thibodeau's healthy and Ojolari's healthy, hopefully, by the way, I understand there's a lot of optimism for the Panthers game, they will have different guys who yeah. are going to play different snaps and different packages. This package called for Ward. And, you know, he's never been a big stat monger in his career. But I thought yesterday he played yeah. extremely big. And then I thought the other unsung hero, to some degree, uh, you really want to go deep? How about Nick McLeod, special yeah. team, who got just hurt. got picked off off of waivers from the Bills and hadn't even played a preseason game with the Giants. Two special teams tackles, forced a fair catch where he was in the receiver's grill and played gunner opposite Matt Breida. Breida, by the way, got caught inside on the 40-plus-yard punt return in the first quarter, which I'm sure that they're not going to be happy about. But I think McLeod and Breida look like that's going to be the duo that may try to lead this coverage unit as they uh, progress during the season. Yeah, and Jamie Gillen, obviously it wasn't his fault on the botched uh, snap, but he had a booming punt too. I thought that was really good for special teams as well. Just so much, so much to like. And by the way, Jahab Ward, at one point when he makes the big tackle early when they're down 7 nothing, he fires up the sideline. It's just I, that kind of emotional leadership the Giants have been missing. You know, that's Brandon Jacobs-like. 
Yes. So just hopefully yes. we turn this is his small. nickname, by the way, is called Live Wire. That's okay. his nickname. Live Wire because of the energy that he brings to the team on a consistent basis. And remember, you cannot download this podcast on LimeWire. It's only available on the Odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are available. Paul, it has been such a pleasure that we didn't have to yell at each other because the Giants have lost 44 to 10 to start the year. There is optimism. We are going to have another episode later in the week where we look at Carolina. We look ahead at the schedule that might break the Giants way here in September. We can dream a little bit, Paul. We can have a happy Monday. You could follow Paul at Giants WFAN and follow me at Miraz CBS and Adam Arbrecht. Great job producing Paul. Hey, we're going to live in our glory. We haven't had this in a long time. The Giants are over 500. We're undefeated, pal. My goodness. I'm just so glad that for the next week, your family will have peace. They will have peace. They will have peace. My wife's already cooking meatballs today. It's a happy Monday here in the Morash household. Paul, thank you as always. And thank you everybody for listening and taking one giant step with us.